Will there be a doctor in the house when we need one? A shortage of U.S. physicians is putting academic medicine to the test when it comes to this question. Welcome to a special education segment on the Clinician's Roundtable of ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Daryl Kirch. He's the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Association of American Medical Colleges. Founded in 1876, the Association of American Medical Colleges, or AAMC, is a nonprofit association representing all 129 accredited U.S. medical schools and 17 accredited Canadian medical schools and nearly 400 teaching hospitals and health systems. Dr. Kirch assumed his current position as AAMC president in July 2006, following six years as senior vice president for health affairs, dean of the College of Medicine, and CEO of the Milton S. Hershey Medical Center at the Pennsylvania State University. A noted psychiatrist and neuroscientist in his own right, Dr. Kirch, it is a pleasure to have you on ReachMD XM157. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so, Dr. Kirch, we were just talking a little bit off air about my early days as a healthcare reporter, and one of my first assignments was to go to Washington and sit in on a Association of American Medical Colleges annual meeting in 1993 when Mrs. Clinton was First Lady Clinton, but she had a lot of clout. And we were talking about back then, there was a standing room only cloud to listen to her talk about health care reform. And one of the issues back then was physicians and how they were going to be trained. And the issues were very different back then as they are today. Can you tell us a little bit about what is happening? This has been a, a fascinating history for the United States. If you think back over the years, we hit a point when the baby boomers were being born, when we took a look at our medical schools in the U.S. and realized that our population was going to grow and we needed to increase their numbers. And in fact, in the 1960s and 70s, right up until the early 80s, we went from roughly 80 U.S. medical schools to approximately 125 in that period of time. So in a sense, we saw the baby boom being born, we saw our population growing, and we said we should produce more doctors in our country. What's fascinating to me is that then we stopped, and we took a very, very long pause. Now, many of your listeners will remember that it seemed as if the next thing that occurred were discussions in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s, about a physician surplus. Well, in hindsight, that we made a mistake in that assumption. And the way we made the mistake is a lesson we should pay attention to. We were all very focused then on the notion that we were going to convert, rapidly convert, the U.S. healthcare system to a very tightly managed system of care with gatekeepers, lots of control over utilization and access to specialists. That was where the debate seemed to focus then. And if, in fact, we had totally revamped our system of care in that direction, there may have, for a period of time, been more physicians that were needed. But as everybody knows, we didn't change our care system that way. Instead, we've continued to value patient access to specialists and other features in our healthcare system. 
But another thing that has occurred is all those baby boomers are approaching their elderly years. Anyone who's thought about this understands we are going to have a huge increase in the number of Americans age 65 or older. And if you look at all the factors, if instead of making just one simple assumption about we're all going to go into a new system of care that's very rationed and managed, but if instead you look at all the factors together, all the things that influence our supply of physicians and all the things that will affect the demand for physicians, in my view, the only rational conclusion you can come to is that we need to increase the U.S. medical school capacity to respond to the forces that are going to be at work in the decades to come. And so what the Association of American Medical Colleges did in 2006 was after an analysis of this type, we made a policy statement recommending that U.S. medical schools increase their capacity by 30%. And subsequent events have shown them really uh, step up to the challenge. And how is it that they would need to do that? I mean, of course they need funding. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, Medicare helps pay for funding for doctor training and other programs. There probably is not the reimbursement in the budget now to meet this goal, is there? The schools have largely had to do this on their own. In some cases, there have been some state funds that assisted some of the public schools in increasing their capacity. In other cases, fundraising by the schools has been a device. But in contrast to the uh, 60s and 70s, when there was federal support for expanding medical school capacity, this time around, this is largely being done by the institutions because they feel it's the right thing to do. Well, if you're just joining us or if you're new to our channel, you're listening to a special education segment on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Daryl Kirch. He's the president and CEO of the Association of American Medical Colleges, which represents the nation's medical schools, as well as some 400 teaching hospitals. And we're talking about the shortage of U.S. physicians and how the country is set up for training doctors and getting the necessary doctors and what do we need to do to get there. And Dr. Kirch, I seem to recall, you know, a decade or so ago where there were goals to train physicians uh, or have the makeup of physicians in the country be 50% primary care, 50% specialty. Where are we on that as well? And where do we need to go? Because there might be some physicians out there who are trying to give advice to young doctors and say, you know what, where should I look for a career? Well, the primary care initiatives that you're referring to back in the 90s were also focused on the need to create more primary care providers who would be in these central roles of managing care, essentially. And we know the system didn't change that way. And the net result, because the system has remained very focused on interventional and acute subspecialty-oriented care, there has been some shift, I think, in medical student interest toward those kinds of specialties. You know, at the end of the day, America needs a robust supply of both primary care providers and specialists. Our focus in recent years has been less on trying to steer 
people in one direction or another, and more on what we think the larger issue is, which is the overall shortage. One thing many people see is and are concerned about is the increasing reliance of America on physicians trained in other nations. And so in a sense, we've been relying on other countries to fill our needs for physicians as opposed to building our own capacity to train our physicians. One of the most amazing things that many people don't realize is we now have hundreds of U.S. citizens who leave the United States to seek a medical education abroad and then make their way ultimately back into specialty residency training programs in the United States. And why is that? And what, from an association aspect or from a teaching hospital aspect, can you do? I mean, do they just view it as an easier path to becoming a doctor? Or is it just too competitive at the U.S. medical schools? I think it is not an easier path for many of them. It's a more challenging path. The reason it has happened is we did not increase our own medical school capacity in this country. We're at a time when our population is growing by 20 to 25 million people a decade, but we had held the number of medical students constant for almost over two decades. And that seems to be an issue, as you had mentioned before, about at the local level, um, what do the medical schools say that they need to do to expand their capacities? Because let's face it, the cost of education is rising dramatically, and you just kind of wonder what's going on at the medical school level to open some slots for some new students. Well, I've been impressed by the response of America's medical schools. We issued the policy in 2000. Six, a lot of people wondered how we could ever achieve the kinds of increases we were calling for. But what we've seen is fascinating. The vast majority of U.S. medical schools have looked very carefully at their capacity. They've looked at their laboratory space, their lecture hall space, their clinical training venues. In many cases, they've made small increases. In other cases, they've made large increases, but the majority of them are trying to move their capacity upward in the most responsible way they can. When you combine what those existing schools are doing with the fact that we see new medical schools starting for the first time in, in, again, two decades plus, we're seeing new medical schools opening in the United States. That's what shifted the equation. And now, if current projections hold, we probably will have increased our U.S. capacity by 30% by the year 2017. You don't turn this situation around on a dime, but over a decade plus, we are, I think, going to reach that goal. And where are we seeing new medical schools open? Well, there are 129 now, if you count all of the schools that are in various stages of accreditation. And for example, the three of the three most recent schools that received preliminary accreditation status, two were in Florida and one was in Texas. I think it's fair to say when I hear communities and states talking about building new medical schools that the focus of this effort, it's not entirely the case, but the focus seems to be on some of the higher growth states, especially some of the Sun Belt states. Certainly. I think in Arizona, I believe they might be talking about one as well. 
Arizona pursued the strategy of a regional campus, the medical school at the University of Arizona having been based in Tucson, but their strategy has been to build a major new educational program in Phoenix as a branch campus. Well, with that, I would like to thank Dr. Daryl Kirch, who has been our guest today. He is the president and chief executive officer of the Association of American Medical Colleges, and we have been talking about the group's effort to spur more policy attention in this country to addressing the physician shortage from his constituents who indeed are the nation's medical schools and teaching hospitals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and you've been listening to a special education segment on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions about today's program through our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show library and on-demand podcasts. And I would like to thank you today for listening.